You're listening to the Discovery COVID-19 podcast. I'm Azania Mosaka, and I'll be speaking to expert guests to help you better understand coronavirus disease 2019, as well as how best to manage your health, well-being and financial security during this time. Today, I'm speaking to a woman who is a wife, mother and doctor on the front line of treating patients with COVID-19 in South Africa. Dr. Vespina Demopoulos is a pediatric intensivist, and she's well-placed to talk to us about the pandemic as she's on a number of working groups, both the Vitz Donald Gordon Medical Center COVID-19 Task Team and Ethics Committee, the Gauteng COVID-19 ICU Group, and the SA Pediatric COVID-19 Ethics Palliative Care and Critical Care Team. She's also the Secretary of the South African Pediatric Society. Dr. Demopoulos, thank you for joining me on this podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So firstly, um, let's get a sense of what a pediatric intensivist does. What is it all about? So pediatric intensivist is a specialist that takes care of critically ill children. So children that are in the, in the ICU or high care setting. So they are the specialists that deal with organ support, ventilation, and basically get the whole team that's involved in the child, um, you know, working towards the, the, the right management for the patient. So, so if a child is in the ICU setting, ones that, that basically run the show there. I see. Um, and has the presence of this disease affected your work on a day-to-day basis, like your ability to treat your patients? So yes, this um, COVID-19 has has changed a lot of, of the way we are actually able to manage our patients. Fortunately for us and for the world, the children haven't been um, as critically ill as the adults have. So, so we don't have currently um, very, very ill kids in the ICU. But every patient that, that comes in, we worry about it. And we have many what we call persons under investigation. So a lot of patients that we investigating in case they are COVID positive. Um, and so for those 12 to 24 hours until we get the results, there's obviously a lot of worry um, in terms of looking after these patients. I also work in an ICU that's also got adults on the other side. Um, and we have a lot of um, immunocompromised patients, transplant patients, oncology patients. So so we definitely have the, the patients that are very high at risk of getting COVID. Um, and so there's a lot of extra anxiety and worry um, every day. And, and I think we, we, um, we do go a little bit more the extra mile that, than we did before in terms of the PPE um, and the investigating of these patients. Mm, as you say, that window while you wait for the results can be a very sensitive time. But how have you seen the disease affect um, the healthcare facilities where you serve? So um, the healthcare facility where I work um, definitely has put a lot of um, changes in place and it's definitely affected the the um, mental, I think, capacity of the healthcare workers, not only the nurses and the doctors and the management. I mean, it's changed a lot of the way we do things. So, so what's happened in our facility is um, we've cut down on a lot of um, surgeries. We've cut, we're only allowing emergencies. The hospitals are, are basically half full, but we're preparing basically for for this pandemic. Um, we're making provisions in terms of COVID wards and COVID ICUs, um, and it's it's not very different in in most institutions. So, with colleagues that we've been discussing. Um, 
we've been on the groups that I serve, um, everybody's doing basically the same thing. So they've got COVID and non-COVID wards. They, they're making extra beds. They're making sure that there's enough PPE. Um, they're cutting down on emergencies. Um, and so, so yeah, so everyone's trying to do their part. What's happening with us also is that we're screening every single person that's coming in. So not physically doing the test always, but the, the, every patient that comes in, there's um, questionnaires that have to be completed. And then depending on, on what the answers are, we put them into certain areas. So it's definitely affected the way we practice. And it's also caused a lot of anxiety um, and stress on the staff that work in the hospital. Mm, um, you've actually preempted my follow-up question because uh, you're quite privy <laughs> to all of the work that the committees do. So you, you, in the near future, you anticipate that there will be a higher than caseload and a higher burden on the healthcare facilities. Yes. So um, uh, we all wish and hope that that this would be it and it will pass. Um, but most intensivists and most um, physicians that are are out then really feel that that this is just the calm before the storm. So we do think that it's coming. We are seeing more of our healthcare workers that are getting infected. We've had three or four hospitals that have closed down already in the private sector um, due to due to a lot of people being infected. So so we we do know that it's and we do believe that it's it's still coming. Um, we're hoping that it won't be as bad as it's been in uh, you know in a lot of the overseas countries, but. We don't know with South Africa's socioeconomic status, with our HIV TB, um, our malnutrition. We don't know how it's going to affect us here compared to the rest of the world. But yes, we, we do believe that the peak is still coming. Hmm. You touched on mental health earlier on, but to all these decisions and the knowledge of what is potentially coming, does it weigh heavily on you and, and your colleagues? So I think it does. Um, there's a lot being um, that's out there now in terms of ethics around COVID um, and the decisions that doctors are making. So, so on the two of the ethics committees that I said, we we we're trying to put things in place in case um, things get really bad and resources are limited in you know across the country. So we have to try and put triage principles in place, and and all these kind of things do do make you worry and make you lose sleep because. You know, now you're making decisions with people's lives. So what we what we're doing, and what I think the right thing is to do, is to not do anything alone. So we sit with teams, we sit with colleagues, um, deciding who goes where, um, deciding who gets a bed, and all that kind of decision um, is not done alone. So it's done with a, a team of people. But but we do, you know, th- this is something that that I lose sleep over, and that a lot of people lose sleep over is is if these guidelines that we're putting out are are the right thing. Um, mm-hmm. for the patients and then for the be- bigger picture of South Africa. Right. Oh, can only imagine. Some of us, obviously, where we sit, um, we can only imagine what it is that uh, the healthcare sector is going through at the moment. And so far, have you treated or dealt with any COVID-19 patients? So there have been COVID-19 patients in the institution where I work, but um, mm-hmm. fortunately it was an adult and not in child. So I was not directly involved on a one-to-one. I have dealt with a lot of the, the, the PUIs um, and, and obviously my very close colleagues dealing with these patients and have dealt with these patients. So I've been fortunate so far that I don't think it's going to be for very much longer. Um, speaking to on one of the pediatric critical care groups that I'm on, um, 
some of our colleagues in Cape Town now started seeing um, seeing COVID now in their hospitals. So, so yes, it, it probably won't won't be long, um, and we're probably going to be dealing with sort of young adults and things so that we can try and eliminate some of the stress from our our adult colleagues. But just from my adult friends that have managed these patients, there's been a lot of um, a lot of yeah. I mean, a very close colleague of mine said when he first went in, all he thought about was his two children. He could only see his two children in front of him. So, so um, it, it is it is scary. But for me, at the moment, I've only managed the the invest the patients under investigation are not an actual direct COVID, um, but they have been in my institution. Yes. Um, in terms of the PPE, the personal protective equipment that is available for for healthcare workers, do you yes. are you worried or concerned about continued access to this equipment in the long term? Yes, definitely. Um, I think all healthcare workers are actually very worried. Um, our so so our CEO has said to us that you know that they for now are guaranteeing that we will have PPE. I have a lot of, of colleagues in the in the state sector um, that have been very worried that they probably and have been told that they're probably going to run out of PPE. Um, but we do know that there's a, a limited amount. Um, what's been happening is a lot of people have been trying to get their own PPE. So on our ICU group, you know, people are putting contacts um, so that you can buy your, in, your own N95 masks. But obviously not everybody can afford the orders of like 100,000 minimum, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yes, there is worry. I am, I am worried um, as well as my colleagues. But, but for now, we're okay. And, and fortunately, there have been some funds that have been put aside and a number for us to call if it runs out. Um, but, yes, if we go till September, I think, I think we're worried. I think we're okay for the next month or two. Yes. And are there any talks about additional precautions or other precautions that you need to take to protect yourself from acquiring COVID-19? So in the hospital setting, besides the standard um, PPE, we are, uh, I mean, the hospital has also gotten everybody visors. Um, Some people are using hazmats. We're not fortunate enough to have those, I mean, hazsuits. Um, but the, the additional things that are being put into place at the moment, besides the regular and the, the strict hand washing and self-distancing, um, are things like screening. So, so we're all trying to figure out how we can screen healthcare professionals or people that work in the hospital setting so that we can um, not, not spread the, the disease. Um, but obviously, there's a cost with everything involved. So... So at the moment in the hospital, it's mainly the PPE and, and the, the hygiene and, and basically cancelling a lot of the elective stuff and only allowing mm-hmm. emergencies, which, which, by the way, is also a worry because those patients all need to be managed at some time, you know. Um, yes. So that's a, you know, another big difficult decision that we're struggling with. But um, that's what we're doing in the hospital setting. In the, in the home setting, um, so, so it, it is difficult for myself and, and for many of my colleagues that have families because surprisingly we don't worry so much about ourselves. Um, we, mor- we worry about spreading it to our families and our loved ones and our older parents um, and our younger ch- uh, uh, kids or our patients that are immune compromised. So in the home setting, um, a lot of us will go. And what I do is I, when I come home, I'll, I'll shower outside and my kids are not allowed to come and hug me. They'll stand at the garage and wave. 
then I'll go and shower outside, then I'll put it, I'll, I'll soak my clothes in very, my scrubs in very hot water and soap, um, do a whole thing and spray my, spray my keys, spray my car. It's a whole regime before I can come inside. Um, mm. And then if I do get COVID or, or if I have contact with many patients with COVID, I'll probably isolate um, by myself somewhere. Um, and a lot of doctors are doing that in hotels or, you know, in apartments. But you're trying to put these things mm. in place. Absolutely. So you have two young boys. How old are they? And do they understand why mommy's showering outside? Why they have to stand at a distance and wave? <laughs> yeah, so I have two little gorgeous boys. They're three and nine. Um, oh. And they do They do understand. They So before lockdown at school, they were taught quite a bit about coronavirus. Um, mm-hmm. And they do, I mean, they have before come with me to the ICUs, so they know what kind of work I do. So they understand that it can be spread. Um, at the beginning, it was very difficult for them because they always love running afterwards. But now they understand it's been about probably more than a month that I've been doing this. So so they understand and they know they cannot go into that room outside um, and they and they do know that they can, you know they 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 understand they they know that mm. they cannot see their grand they know that they you know we can't we can't socialize so they they're understanding though they struggle with the fact that i have to be very much more available now um, yes. because i'm i'm sitting on all these committees we have to make all these decisions um and, and it's, it's a lot of meetings that I go to or via Zoom. But I mean, I, I, um, I make a lot of decisions with a group of people. And, and I think it's, it's difficult for them to understand that where all the other mommies and daddies are, you know, um, at home most of the time. Yes. Are there life changes that, have, that you've had to make, that you've decided to make as a result of this pandemic and the kind of work that you do? Yes. Um, so myself and, and many of my colleagues have had to um, get our wills in order. So overseas, mm. and, and there's been a lot of discussion amongst um, senior colleagues that 20% of, of the doctors will not make it through this pandemic. Um, that's what happened to our colleagues overseas. So so we, we are expecting expecting that that'll happen to us but we're hoping not um mm. and so that's why a lot of the wills have to be put in order um a lot of finances a lot of planning with children um so there have been a, a few life changes um, mm. speaking to a lot of my colleagues that have also um lost income they've they've changed policies they've um, yeah, it's, 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 it's been a lot of things that have had to happen, but for me, it's been the, what if I don't make it? Um, Mm -hmm. and it's been a real wake up at three in the morning kind of thing. Um, and the biggest thing was what's going to happen to my children and, um, and will everything be okay? So I think those are, those are the the worries that myself and my, my colleagues that work in ICU, all the other intensivists are, are going through, um, and, and the chats that we're having regularly. But we obviously don't don't tell all our families about that. Um, mm. But yeah, it, it is it's a worry. It certainly sounds it. Uh, so how how has the risk and this reality that you've had to negotiate and that you face daily? How has it affected your your mental health? Yeah, so I do think that the anxiety. Um, I'm probably when I think of COVID nineteen um, initially when I when I when we started to be faced with it, um, I was much more anxious. Um, definitely much better now. Um, 
our hospital's been quite good in terms of offering us um, sort of Zoom psychological uh, meetings, mm. especially those of us that are, are quite involved in all of these. So regular, regular counselling, um, regular debriefing kind of thing. Um, and and um, I do feel that I'm not alone, which is a great thing. So, mm. so at the beginning, I was much more scared. Now, even though I am scared of what's coming, I do feel that I'm not alone because I have a lot of colleagues around me that are in the, in the same boat. And we're kind of feeling like we're going to do it together and we'll help each other no matter what. And that does make me, make me feel better. Um, and, you know, I have spoken to family. And, and so definitely the, the mental, mental health is affected. And I don't care what anybody says. All healthcare workers that are dealing with these patients are going through it. Um, mm. But I am, at, I am feeling better than I did initially and, and Possibly it's because of the help from the hospital and the colleagues I work with and the, the you know, the support from everybody else. Right. Oh, we do wish you all of the best because you are that line of defense for all of society and we have, we have to do our part. Um, what, what is, what, what is, what's the one thing that you want the public to know as a doctor who is on the front line of dealing with the pandemic in South Africa? So I think that the the public, um, what I'd like them to understand is that when the lockdown ends, it doesn't mean the coronavirus is gone because I think a lot of people think that it's all going to be okay straight afterwards. Um, what, what the lockdown and the, and the staying at home has helped is it's helping us prepare in a healthcare system that might not be ready. It's helping us to, um, slowly get through this. Um, so, so, um, what I would like people to understand is that probably in our country we have less than 7,000 ventilators and, um, you know, we, we're probably not able to, to manage as well as some of our colleagues have overseas. So, so staying at home and, and lockdown and, and all these social distancing and hygiene and PPE and all of that and mask, uh, face masks, um, it's not all going to go away next week, Friday, or whenever the lockdown ends. So what I'd like mm. the public to understand is that, yes, go do what you need to do. Still go do the doctor if you need to, because I mean, we're worried that our children are not getting immunizations and all that. So mm-hmm. I think people must still go and get their health sorted, you know, get their groceries, but please still stay at home because this healthcare system needs to cope. And we are worried mm-hmm. that our healthcare system won't cope. Um, and then the last thing would be just to um, please pray. I think we, we need our prayers during this time. We will certainly do that. What's the worst and best case scenario when it comes to how things could go from here in South Africa in terms of the cases um, and our management of the pandemic? So I think the the worst case scenario would be that we lose 20% of our healthcare workers, um, right. that we run out of uh, ventilators and need to have patients on stretches, um, you know, in corridors and in streets, as, we, as we've seen like our colleagues overseas. Um, mm. The worst case scenario would be that we can't help people. We have to have strict triages and we can't help elderly and we can't help patients with certain comorbidities because we're trying to save our resources. So people who would normally get our help don't get our help. 
um, we run out of PPE. And those would probably be our, our worst case scenarios. And then we don't recover even economically later. But, mm-hmm. um, and, and then, I mean, the other thing is after that, not having all the, the, the healthcare workers to carry on running the healthcare system, you know. But, but our best case scenario, I think, would be that um, we save a lot of our healthcare workers and we save a lot of our patients. So, so this, the amount of patients that come into the hospitals is staggered. Um, we, you know, we don't fill our beds with trauma, you know, with, with, from alcohol and, and that kind of stuff. And we save those beds for our patients that, that need it. And we slowly, our, our healthcare system over the next three or four months manages the COVID patients and not in one bang, but slowly. Um, we manage to have enough PPE and enough beds. Um, the doctors are protected, the nurses are protected, the workers are protected. And that at the end of that, we, we, we come out um, okay. And I think okay would be that we don't lose a lot of 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 the of the people, um, and that we understand the the importance of life afterwards, and then hopefully economically we can recover. Dr. Vespina Demopoulos, it really has been an honor talking to you for this podcast, and thank you for all those amazing insights and giving us a glimpse of what our healthcare workers are going through. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me and thank you so much for the initiative. This podcast was brought to you by Discovery. Stay informed, stay healthy.